0: We are back with a special Buckeye Talk mailbag. We said we'd try to get you guys a couple podcasts a week in the build-up to the Fiesta Ball December 31st, so we're doing that. So it's Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman from cleveland.com. Go to cleveland.com slash OSU, read all our stuff so we get paid, and we keep having jobs so that we can keep doing this podcast. Um, we ask for questions. We ask for questions on Twitter every week. You can tweet us at Ari Wasserman, at Doug Maurice. At Bill Land is twenty five. I got some questions a couple days ago that I saved for the podcast. So tweet us anytime, but we're going to go for a little, not quite as long as usual. Questions only. Um, we have a big podcast coming Wednesday. We want you to subscribe on iTunes so you can follow all this stuff. But Wednesday we will have our Fiesta Bowl preview. Ohio State Clemson Fiesta Bowl preview with a special guest, a Clemson writer. Uh, will be Wednesday, but for now, questions, here we go. Bill Landis, start us off. Well, I, mean, I guess, like, do we want to, like, start
1: with, like, some Clemson Fiesta Bowl stuff, some broader things? Like, where do we want to go here? I think we just want to be all over the map, baby. Okay, <laughs> how far? <laughs> I'll start with this question, and I don't know if you guys will actually want to talk about it, but um, I got two questions about it, and this was from a few days ago. When the Los Angeles Rams uh, fired Jeff Fisher, Uh, Nathan at G Nilly ninety seven on Twitter said, "How many more years does Urban stay? Because people threw his name out as like the replacement for Jeff Fisher, which is not going to happen. But how many more years does Urban Meyer stay at Ohio State? And as of today, who is the most likely replacement?
0: Feel free to speculate wildly. (laughs) That guy's a loyal reader and listener." So he knows that uh, we're not afraid to speculate wildly. Listen, um, Landis, can you drop this in the post on cleveland.com when you put up this podcast? I did a list of Urban Meyer replacement candidates at the beginning of this season that actually turned out to be a very popular thing. A lot of people looked at that. Um, The fact that Luke Fickle now has a head coaching job. Luke Fickle had to leave if he was ever going to be the head coach here. So he just took... His first step to maybe being the guy to, to succeed Urban by leaving, the guy that I've always said I think is an interesting name is Mike Vrabel, the old, former Ohio State player who's the defensive coordinator now I believe mm-hmm. for the Houston Texans, and then you could just you know if you want to talk about Tom Herman I don't I don't think Tom Herman would leave Texas for Ohio State, um, so I mean there's a lot of crazy names you can speculate about. Um, I think Urban, my guess is not forever, but not. For a short amount of time, either. Like, it was interesting. Uh, Shelly Meyer tweeted something recently about how cold it was. And I just thought for a second, I don't know if she's going to want to live here when she's 65. Yeah. Does anyone know well, if true, true to everybody? Yeah. But, but I don't if want you've to live here lived, when I'm 35. If you've Who li- <laughs> <laughs> will last longer? I don't know how to say it, Urban Meyer or Ari Wasserman. <laughs> if you've lived somewhere your whole life, You know, but they had, they, you know, Urban and Shelly are both Ohio people. But I think, just again, from appearances on Twitter, I think Shelly Meyer really became a Florida person in the six years they lived in Florida. Um, So, you know, lifestyle matters. Life matters. So if I had to put, I'm going to wildly speculate how many more years for Urban. Yeah. This is his fifth. I'm going to say seven more years. And he's 51? No, he's older than that. I think he's 50... Fifty two? Two, I think, this year, because I think he turned fifty was two years ago. Who's looking it up? I'm looking it up right now.
1: Urban Meyer is fifty two. Okay, so he's
0: fifty two on his birthday's in the summer. We're A really lot. good at looking up head yeah. coach
2: or coaches' ages on Google. Okay.
0: So that like so yeah, like till he's like sixty, I buy that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be like twelve years at Ohio State. I don't think it's that'd be seven more. I don't think it's seventeen more. I think,
1: um, I also don't think it's three more. Urban Meyer strikes me as a man who knows how to vacation and knows how to, uh, make the most out of a tropical lifestyle. So he's not going to coach till he's 86. Like he's going to retire at a normal retirement age, I think. Whether or not he dabbles in the NFL is another thing. But I think, like, another five to seven years at Ohio State, I think, is like a pretty
0: good guess. But it's one of those things where you do everything you can do. Yeah. And what if he has two more national titles by then? You know? Right. Um, And um, I've always said that I thought the NFL thing is not impossible to me. You get an awesome offer from a great franchise and an owner you trust. And you've done, you know, you've accomplished a lot here. Um, But I saw something else the other day. I I think Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com did a quick thing with NFL execs talking college coaches they think would be good NFL head coaches. And it was like Harbaugh, David Shaw couple other names. I even saw like James Franklin, someone, a college football writer threw out James Franklin the other day as a potential NFL coach, but nowhere was in any of this discussion was Urban Meyer's name brought up.
2: You know what's interesting to me about Urban Meyer is I feel like he has the right personality to be the head, head coach in the NFL. Do you agree? Like I remember back during the Trestle days, people were always like wondering, do you think Jim Trestle is going to make the jump to the NFL? And Jim Trestle always seemed like the worst possible fit for an NFL team because he was a molder of men, right? And he kind of had, like, a perfect college coach personality and temperament. Urban Myers, like, be good or be better
1: or you're out mentality I think would be awesome for the NFL. I actually completely disagree with that. Seriously? I think my way or the highway doesn't work in the NFL when you're dealing with millionaires. I
2: don't know if it's my way or the highway as much as it is a demand of excellence. Or you're and out. It's, and it's... Suff- and it's I mean, doing that with children is also hard to do. I don't know. I'm surprised that you completely disagree because I thought like the Jim Tressel, Thad Mata, love everybody, love everybody thing is not always a positive in the league when it's about money and it's about winning. And in the NFL, if you're not good, you're out. You're paid to do it and it's a job. And in college, I thought that Jim Tressel's our kids played hard out there today, temperament was better for college than it would be for the pros. Maybe I'm nuts. I don't know. I think Urban Meyer's scheme and like what he does, and there's a lot of things that he does well in the college level, but I think his personality and temperament would translate well.
0: Uh, it's hard. I mean, it's like, I think I agree with both of you to some extent. The thing is, it's like, if you look at like, like Pete Carroll's done both, Jim Harbaugh's done both, Nick Saban's done both, you know, Bill Belichick seems like an NFL guy only, but there's a lot of really six. I know people always sort of question college coaches in the NFL there's a lot of successful coaches right now, as it turns out. Not a lot, but at least some you can point to, who have done it at both. Not that Nick Saban was successful in the NFL. That just in general, I would not rule out Urban Meyer to the NFL because I, I wouldn't necessarily think about personality. I, I just would think about he's a good football coach and an owner might hire him.
1: Oh, yeah. and He's definitely an attractive guy. And then who knows? Because it's a slam dunk you know?
2: at that point. And a lot of times when you talk about hiring – it's winning the hire at the beginning. You know, I feel like a lot of times when it comes to getting a new head coach, isn't that what it's about? Half the time of, like, hiring a name that fan bases can get excited about. Like, Chip Kelly might not have been a great fit for any head coach. Chip Kelly, right. What am I thinking?
0: Chip Kelly. Yeah,
2: like, Chip Kelly when he was hired by the Eagles. Wasn't that, like, Eagles fans were tap dancing in Philadelphia? Like, and everybody would have been. The Browns would have been. When the Browns were flirting with him, everybody was excited because it's the the novelty of newness and success – even if it hasn't been done at that level is always interesting. And I think that the entire college, the NFL jump thing has been Nick Saban is the best college coach ever. And he has the same type of temperament as urban and he failed miserably in the pros. Didn't he?
1: No, I think he coached for two years, had one nine win season and one bad season and failed.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It's always hard to predict who's going to do well and who's not going to do well. I think it's hard to predict. All right. We got
0: to that was like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I do But I have, let, I have a question let, let that let kind use, of okay. a question about that question. Um, do you think Urban Meyer will get offered
1: NFL head coaching jobs? I think he has been offered NFL head coaching jobs. Um, I think that if yeah. he hasn't, then he will. Yeah. So and then- I think
2: that like if he does leave for the NFL, and here's the way I always look at it, because Ohio State fans are kind of paranoid about it, right? Like This is a thing in their minds. If it ever gets to the point where Urban Meyer does go to the NFL or retires or leaves Ohio State, and it's sooner than you would like, that means that he gave you a lot of memories before it. I think he is not satisfied with what they've accomplished. I think he wants one or two more at least. And if he does, go, I mean if you were an Ohio State fan, this is a good question. Would you trade would you trade 10 years of Urban Meyer at Ohio State if it meant three titles in 5 years? Then I think you
0: have to take that deal, right? You'd take whole, it. I mean, if he decided to retire tomorrow, you'd take it. Yeah. I mean like Right. You've already, I, already I taken it happy. But listen, here's yeah. the thing too. When he came here, if you would have asked people What's the over under for his time at Ohio State when he got here? I think a lot of people might have said it at six years, which is how long he was at Florida. He's going way past six years, yeah, you're, I mean you're going to be in bonus territory. He's locked in here, he's happy here, he's successful here. It's rolling here. he's recruiting here. They're in the playoff here. They're beating Michigan here like you can't i these questions are fun because there's no wrong answer right. I would maybe disagree with the assessment that people are paranoid about it. If you are paranoid about it, stop. First of all, I mean, I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh, that, when that talk pops up, that's, there's more real stuff to that. I he think, just yeah. came from the NFL than there is for Urban. And the second thing is just don't worry about it. Right. Did you have a question worth asking? You the know,
1: it kind of
2: is interesting because my question was an email that came December 5th for the last time we did it. And we never, I never got to it. But it kind of is trestle and this is from James Armpriester. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. That's life on the on the Buckeye Talk podcast. Me pronouncing things correctly is not going to happen. In light of Coach Meyer's unprecedented success, yet lack of Big Ten championships, here's a question: How will the Urban Meyer era be viewed in comparison of Jim Trussell era if he wins two or three national championships but only wins the Big Ten title three or four times in a ten-year period? better <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that it's an interesting question because obviously national titles are the only thing that matters if ohio state wins a national championship this year i don't think people are going to be like well they didn't win the big 10 but trussell and urban both have talked about the importance of winning the conference and so far whether it's ncaa sanctions or tiebreakers urban meyer hasn't done that
0: and i wonder is that a thing and
2: he's wondering it I Yeah. Don't know.
0: It's not. It's not a thing in legacy. It's not a thing. It's an interesting thing to talk about in the course of a season. I don't think it matters at all for legacy. I think to me, the way you would view Meyer and Tressel is, Tressel dominated this conference, beat Michigan. The fans loved him, and Urban took him over the top. I think. I think in the end, when you look back on this, fifty years from now, I think, depending on how long the Urban era lasts. You'll look at them a little bit together and you will view it as you have to, you'll never forget that Trestle won the first national title in 34 years in 2002 and then brought Ohio State back to the point where they absolutely dominated Michigan, dominated the conference. And then I think Urban Meyer took Ohio State to a place that I think people weren't even sure Ohio State could get to. So for as great as Ohio State is, I mean, like, you know, Woody was Woody, but this is the new modern age. You, there's no guarantee that Ohio State's going to be the best program in the country or one of the top two. There's a lot of great programs out there. So yeah. I think you'll view them connected, but I think you will view Trestle was great and then Urban took it a half step higher.
2: And here's rate. another question. This one comes from Ari Wasserman of Cleveland.com. Um, and I completely blanked on it. Great. At rap lover. <laughs> no, no, it was a really good question, and I forgot what it, Oh, okay, got it. When Urban Meyer came to Ohio State, because it's an interesting thought based on the Jim Trestle idea of, like, he dominated the Big Ten, Urban Meyer took him over the top. Urban Meyer kind of fake-challenged the Big Ten in his first press conference or one of his first ones at Ohio State. Do you remember this? And he kind of said it's, like, not at the level it needs to be. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh fell out of the sky to Michigan the same way that Urban Meyer fell out of the sky to Ohio State. But do you think Urban Meyer's presence at Ohio State hasn't only lifted Ohio State, but do you think he's somewhat indirectly responsible for the advancement of the conference?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because it's, like, harder to win the Big Ten now than it was when you were Jim Trussell. But the reason why it's harder to win the Big Ten right now, I think, is because Urban Meyer
1: made it harder. Like, I wonder, like, if – like, when Penn State needed to hire a new coach – Like, they went, like, got like a charismatic outsider. And obviously, there were other things that were happening there. But maybe they wouldn't. I wonder if they would have done that had had they not existed in a world where Ohio State is what it is. Or
0: were coaching budgets automatically inflated because of it? Right. Here's what he did Urban Meyer brought Big Ten recruiting into the modern age. Nailed it. I just got goosebumps. (laughs) Okay, enough of me.
1: Stay tuned for that story from someone on Cleveland.com. Okay, uh,. Let's do a quicker question now because we talked for 14 minutes about that. <laughs> <laughs> we are incapable of being quick on a podcast. This, this pr- guy put quick in the question. Justin Adams uh, on Twitter asked, quick, who's the starting right tackle next year for Ohio State? Isaiah Prince, Malcolm Pridgen, or Josh Myers? Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince. Isaiah Prince. Um, do we expand or? No, I think like Prince will be the starting tackle. And Pridgen and Myers will be in the battle, I think, to start at guard because Billy Price is either going to be the center or he'll be gone. So, and maybe like one of those guys could be a Because I think
2: that Myers is a very quick and athletic tackle. And I think that even though he's going to eventually be a tackle, if they're trying to assemble the best five offensive linemen the way that they have moved people around, I think he could be a guard. I think he's.
1: I think his future probably is guard. And
2: I always get confused because I always say that like Myers is going to be a tackle. And then Bill always corrects me that his projection is guard. And if he's a guard, I think he's a starter from day one. And it might be Michael Jordan and him.
0: Yeah. You so got you, start yeah. you start a true, and a true sophomore and guard. a true
2: freshman. I can be like, this isn't an ordinary true freshman.
0: All right. Uh, here's a question from Doug Lane Maurice uh-huh. Is Billy Price coming back? No. No. So I don't Somebody know. Somebody
2: asked Billy Price on Thursday. Are you going to do with the elf line move and come back and be the leader of this team? And he goes, we're not talking about that right now. And it was a very short, moderately aggressive response from somebody who didn't seem yeah, to. Yeah, Billy
0: Price, I hope he's listening to this. Dude. Yeah. He's a, He is a – uh, he absorbs media. So, Billy, if you're a loyal listener, Billy was feeling it, baby. He was feeling it at an interview day. So I don't know if a quick answer means he doesn't want to talk about it or he was just like uh, holding court a little bit. But he's going to – I think he'd be – you know, he's not going to be a first-round pick as a guard. I mean, he might be a second or third or fourth-round pick. Right. And, and another, I also think another that, thing like, you have. Oh, go ahead.
1: Like, what Pat Alfine did was great for Ohio State. Um, I don't think he's going to be a trendsetter in that regard. I think if you have the chance to go, you're going to go more often than that. I not. mean, he was the
0: exception to the yeah. rule when he
1: came back.
2: And Ohio State's got Wyatt Davis coming in, who's a five-star guard. But also, I mean, when you talk about, like, when you talk about Ohio State's offensive line and replacing guys, if they get Jackson Carmen in 2018, who's, like, the Josh Meyer version of – the 2018 class, like
0: top five overall national prospect in Ohio, it's I don't, gonna be a dirty line. In a I'm gonna years. hold. I'm gonna reel in the recruiting guy on talking about true freshmen starting yeah, the on the son offensive of world line. You want to be living oh in, no, think. no,
2: I don't know that. I don't. Yeah, I'm not trying to make it seem like I think Ohio is gonna. Ohio State's gonna have three sophomores and two true freshmen on the offensive line in three years. I'm saying the future of the line is bright from the sense of these studs they're bringing in.
0: But even even Josh Myers, I, I don't know if him starting next year would be the best thing for anybody. And here's, I'll throw this out there now. Michael Jordan started at guard this year because out of necessity. If they have more options next year, if Malcolm Pridgen's healthy, if Myers comes in and does something, I mean, I don't know. Is he, I, I w- is he 100% an automatic starter next year? I mean, no, they're going to fight so. for jobs. Yeah, you know? I think it's, so it's...
1: Josh Myers is also enrolling early. Jamarco Jones is going to start...
0: And that's like probably the only thing you can be certain of. And if Price leaves, you're gonna have two holes, and then two young guys who started this year, kind of out of necessity, I'm fairly and certain. Isaiah Prince up. would be the starter at right tackle too.
1: I uh, I think it's like it's again best five. You have Jamarco, and then there's four spots, and like six guys and or seven guys, and you figure it out. Like if if I think Isaiah Prince will be the starting right tackle, if it's Malcolm Pridgen. Um, I think that's on the table because that was sort of the battle coming into camp this year, and then Pridgen got
0: hurt. And Urban Meyer, given the chance to talk about Malcolm Pridgen, said he said very said what he's going to be. He's going to play here. You don't bring in a junior college guy if you
1: don't think he can play. He was supposed to start this year. So I yeah, Pridgen. I think think he was supposed
0: to be in Jordan's spot. And this is no offense to Michael Jordan. A place like Ohio State should not have a true freshman starting on the offensive line. I wrote that in the spring. People wanted to talk about what a great job Michael Jordan did, and he did. But that's not the number one story of that. When you have a true freshman starting on the offensive line at a place like Ohio State, the number one story is, why is a true freshman starting? And then you congratulate the kid. So it is not anything against Michael Jordan that he has done this is unbelievable. That should not be the plan. Okay, let's do
1: a more Fiesta Bowl-geared question. Fiesta! Fiesta! Uh, since we didn't talk about it in our last podcast yeah we can't can't make ourselves talk about the games uh dj zach moore i don't know if that means he's actually a dj or if his first name is dj Um, a month of prep for clemson seems like a long time but what are what are reasonable expectations for passing game improvement Uh, as ohio state prepares to play clemson in the fiesta bowl I, i don't know like do we think that ohio state's Passing game is going to look like vastly different against Clemson, or do we think it is what it is right now? I think it probably is what it is, right? It's not, I, unless the receivers like improve exponentially in 28 days or whatever it's been, like I still envision them having trouble separating from really good athletes and Clemson secondary and JT Barrett
0: being unwilling to for- fit balls in the tight windows. I don't think the receivers can get much better. I think the receivers yeah. are the receivers. I think it's all about JT's head. So and, and what the coaches can get JT to do. So, I mean, JT's not going to improve his accuracy or his arm strength or anything in a month. But if JT is locked in, is confident in himself and in the game plan, and can make himself throw it when guys aren't wide open, I think you, should, you could see a major change. But it's all about getting JT Barrett prepped and in the right headspace. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's all on JT. And I guess
1: this kind of goes with it. Um so this question is from Bo Brammer, who asks us questions all the time. What's up, Bo? Um, how much do we think the offensive line can improve with this month of bull practice? And I wrote a story I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, when when like right after they got announced this in the playoff, like talking with Pat Alfine and Billy Price about not necessarily being the 2014 line that was so good by the end of the year, but like sort of just like using that to the, as the benchmark and like getting basically as close to it as you possibly can. Um, I don't know how much improvements out there for that group too. Cause we talked to like Isaiah Prince is a true sophomore who seems a little bit in over his head. Um, and we talked about it in, in our Fiesta Bowl preview podcast, which you'll listen to later this week. It depends on what the issues are with Isaiah Prince. Like if it's just, if it's just technical and they can fix it, then great. But I feel like it's gotten to the point where it's like mental. And guys were talking about taking his cell phone away from him so he doesn't read stuff on social media. Um, I don't know. It seems like a very tough thing for Isaiah Prince to to overcome in 30 days. Maybe it's something he can overcome over the course of a winter workout and spring ball and stuff like that and get into the right headspace for next year. But I have questions, I think, about whether or not he's going to be ready against this kind of Clemson defense. And I guess I have the same questions about Michael Jordan being a, a true freshman in a similar situation.
0: Urban Meyer was talking about Isaiah Prince in bull practice, like, coming in on his days off and stuff like and yeah. working extra. Um, he needs to get better. I mean, he has... What can four weeks of practice do for a tackle? I, we're going to find out. Yeah, well, like...
1: People wanted to be like the offensive line at 14, and I think it's easy to forget, like, the left tackle was an All-American first-round draft pick the right tackle was like a freak athlete, and Daryl Baldwin, who was in his first year starting, but ended up being pretty good by the end of the year. It's Pat pretty Ophelia, unbelievable how that happened. Billy Price, and then like tough as nails, Jacoby Bourne, who was five foot four and still somehow a really good center. Um, they had a nice mix in 2014, and I don't think they they have quite that uh, this year. All right, next question. Next question. Let's. Dalla B's got all the questions. No more Urban Meyer stuff about going to the NFL um recruiting question Ari oh yeah so we're recording this <laughs> now we're talking on December 15th which was the day that Donovan people's Jones announced his commitment to Michigan yep um this is from Quan Tran who wants to know if Ohio State's coaching staff now puts the full court press on Jalen Harris receiver out of Cleveland Heights now that people's Jones is heading elsewhere
2: you want to know what the reality of this is yes I'm not sure Ohio State didn't have the full court press on Jalen Harris the entire time or I'm not saying that they recruited him you know as hard as possible but the idea that Urban Meyer said and Jalen Harris told us this when we went up to his high school a month ago or whatever it was six weeks ago that yeah. they would make it work and find a spot for him in this class you don't say that to somebody you don't have intentions of taking what I think happened was Donovan Peoples-Jones is a the number one rated receiver in the entire country he officially visited Ohio State. He was close to Columbus, and he went to a high school that Ohio State has taken players out of. And what you have to do for a player who's as dynamic as Peoples Jones is you got to take your big, biggest swing at the end. And if you get him, then you make it work, or you figure out a way that you, know, you go around it, but you have to take that stab. I don't necessarily think that Ohio State ever was pushing Jalen Harris off to the side. Jalen Harris had time to commit whenever he wanted to, and he's been taking his own time. So I think that for... Ohio state that I would believe that Jalen Harris is going to be in this class. And I don't think it's a matter of them turning up the heat. I just think it's a matter of them not having to worry about where the room's going to come from because people's Jones is in the class. You take a stab at the five star, unquestionable number one player in the country. If you get him, then you have things you have to sort out. And if you don't, then you move on. And I think that's kind of the case here.
0: Do you think the people's Jones decision, maybe not from Ohio state standpoint, but from Jalen Harris's standpoint will have an effect on his decision that now that he knows people Jones isn't coming it's going to be Trayvon Grimes, Tyjon Lindsey, and then maybe him. It makes it more likely. You
2: know, I I think that you would be a liar if you made it seem like kids don't pay attention to that stuff. And it's the same thing of, like, if he's considering Tennessee and Tennessee staff says, hey, come here and you're our guy, you're our number one guy, you go to Ohio State and you're going against three five-stars, come here and revolutionize our program. That's a selling point that a kid might want to hear. Um but I don't, I never, in the discussions and the time I've spent with him in person, never got the impression that he's a pretty confident kid. And I, I don't know if anybody looks at the star ratings and goes, well, I'm the number 36 receiver, and Jalen, or I mean, and Donovan is number one, and Ty John's number five, and Trayvon's number eight, and I, for whatever, those are made up rankings. I think they're all top 10, and says, well, I can't compete with those guys. So I think it's about. What a lot of the things are with Cleveland kids. He's from Cleveland Heights. Did we mention that? I believe Just so, want yeah. to make sure that he. we know he's from Cleveland. And, you know, it's about staying home a lot of the time. And I I, I think that it probably helps Ohio State in the sense that there's one less guy they got to worry about. But I think it helps them from the standpoint of room more than it does getting
0: him. Will he sign on signing day?
2: So I think, think so. I think so.
0: And I thought so when I went there. Didn't
1: I tell you as we were leaving? I, like, very much got that vibe from him too. Yeah.
0: Um, it's the same thing that I,
2: I'm sorry, no, we're no, talking no. about recruiting. So I just want to keep going until until the like, computer catches on fire. <laughs> um, what do Ohio kids do all the time? I'm not going to Ohio State. I'm not a for sure thing. I'm not a for sure thing. I want to visit everything, and then what do
1: they do? Go to Tulsa. They go
2: to El Paso with Doug.
1: Subbo. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right quick answer to this question so we can get his name in the headline uh from steve sentilik What are the chances Torin gibson returns to ohio state i think we're all on the same page that they are the chances are slim that he returns i'm not gonna to
2: ohio say state. zero i'm gonna say 0.1
1: yeah like just over zero percent 0%. yeah yeah i don't think he'll be uh a buck guy um okay and then last question Keep for me questions and then we'll go uh to doug's questions i guess uh getting more back to this game against clemson um and this is, like, the fascination with this guy is interesting to me because I don't know what's happened to warrant it. But uh, Black Stripe blog asked, do we think Corey Smith and or Dontre Wilson will have significant roles uh, in the playoff? And I don't know why people – it's not the first time we've been asked about Corey Smith's role. And, I, like, what is it about him that people think that, like, he could be a potential answer at wide receiver? What, what's happened over the course of his career that people think he could be that guy? Not to trash the guy, but he just played, no. they, they like come as a special teams guy and he's been very important in that role, but
0: he's never been part of the receiver plan. No, I mean I felt like they were talking him up in the spring in a way that or in the preseason that I didn't necessarily think was going to play out even without the injury. That again, I just thought he would he would be Noah Brown, and then whatever Curtis position Curtis Samuels playing, and then everybody else at receiver was in a group. And I, I never in my mind, Corey Smith never separated himself from that group and so um, you know, I think Dantre is more of a question. I mean, yeah. like, you know, the foot stuff with Dantre, you know, he just has never been able to completely shake it. Um, and how do you take Curtis Samuel off the field? There have been times they play the same position, there have been times this you know this season before Dontre was hurt at the end of the year, where it's like, no offense to Dontre, but like, why is Dantre in the game when Curtis Samuel could be in the game? Um, but he can do a couple things, so I think Dantre can help you out here and there, but you know they've also been operating the past couple of weeks without them, and so I think when you really think about the receivers, you think about Noah Brown, Paris Campbell, and Curtis Samuel right now, and I'm not so sure that there's much more to think about.
1: The thing about Dontre Wilson, um, and you almost feel bad for him a little bit because he's been hindered so much by injuries. I think one thing he has shown the ability to do is like make like tough contested catches. Like he's not a huge guy, but he's made some big catches in traffic throughout his career. I think he had a big one against Michigan. No, not Michigan State. It was early in the year. Maybe he was against – I don't remember what it was. But anyways, like a third down throw and like JT Barrett hit him in the middle of the field and was a very tight throw and, and Dontre Wilson made a good catch. Oh, it was Penn State. That's what it was. Um, I think like if they're in a world where you have no other choice but to try to throw tough passes and guys got to make plays on the ball, I think Dontre Wilson is capable of that. Who knows whether or not he'll be healthy enough to have a big role. But I think if he is healthy, maybe he has a big catch or two against Clemson. What's crazy
2: about Dontre Wilson is is that like for overall production – like he has never been consistent his entire career, right? But he's made.
0: Don'tre. Yeah, he's I mean, made. He was his most consistent as a true freshman. Right, but he's made huge plays in
2: games, like single plays that kept Ohio State alive. Wisconsin. Wisconsin this year, and he made a touchdown catch in the Michigan State game in 2014. That yeah, before breaking, where he, that's where he hurt his broke foot. his foot. Yeah. And like there are certain times where it's been like Ohio State needs a big play, and it's like, oh my god, it's not Trey Wilson who did it this time. And I don't know if he's gonna have six receptions in a game, but I think it's possible he might come up with like a big thirty-three yard gain that helps them win.
0: Yeah, I think that's out there for him. Doug questions. I right. got one from our man Fez the Buckeye Love on Fez. Twitter. What's up, Fez, Fez Zoldro.
2: This guy's one of our most loyal... Yes. And I saw him flirting with another podcast, and yeah. it kind of got to me. It's Just so you know, fest. it's up fest. <laughs> We see you. We see, don't act like I don't see I thought the follow on you,
0: now. I don't abuse it. <laughs> um, I feel like Clemson's defensive line is going to win the game for them. Why isn't anyone talking about that skill group? Um, again, Wednesday, we'll drop our full Fiesta Bowl preview, Ohio State versus Clemson. Um. But I think it's I think it's a very uh, valid point. They have a couple guys on that line, and not to belabor this point, and we'll get to it more in that bowl preview. But they have a really good defensive end named Christian Wilkins, who's going to be an interesting matchup when he's across from Isaiah Prince. And I think Ohio State has to solve that. I don't. I'm not going to pretend I know much about the rest of their defensive line. Um, but what's you had a stat that again to preview the Wednesday podcast. I didn't know this stat until you said it. How many sacks does Clemson
1: have this year? Uh, It's 46, the number two in the country. Um, So Christian Wilkins is the end. He's an All-American. Carlos Watkins is another guy who's like an All-American candidate. Um, And Dexter Lawrence, who Ohio State fans might remember, is a guy, defensive tackle who Ohio State really wanted, is starting as a true freshman and has been like a freshman All-American on some lists. It's probably the most talented defensive line Ohio State will have seen and this Michigan's year. And Michigan's
0: defensive line was pretty good, Michigan's was right?
1: very good, yeah. And I think, I mean, maybe it's splitting hairs. Clemson's as good, if not better, than Michigan's. But those are the top two
0: lines. And Michigan had eight sacks against Ohio had eight State. eight sacks. And, and if you're talking about why that game went to double overtime, Michigan's defensive line is near the top of the list of why Michigan was able to play with them, right? Yeah, Ohio State couldn't move the ball until
1: like the fourth quarter. Um, Other than that, it was really tough sledding all day because JT Barrett had guys in his face, and then even when he didn't and it looked like he had some time, it looked like pressure on other snaps was affecting him even when pressure wasn't there. Um, So I think that's a thing that that Clemson can certainly do. Uh, They're going to bring it. They're going to blitz a lot, and the the defensive front's really
0: good. All right. I think this is a good next question. It's something we sort of actually talked about earlier. Ari, can you look something up while we think about this? So I'm out then? No, but you're... you're I'm just joking. What's it. up? Yeah. The 2014 recruiting ranking at receiver. That's Johnny Dixon's class, right? It was 2014. Um. Johnny Dixon
2: wasn't one of the 2013 guys, was he? He might be. I forget. I think he was it. in the... We're looking.
0: What, do you want to know Johnny Dixon's specifically? Yeah. And then we'll get to the question. Get air. I know, it's (laughs) better. There you go. Play Conway Twitty. Okay, here's the question. It's from Joe underscore Cavs. Love Joe Cavs. Is OSU's passing game bad because their best-ranked recruit, Johnny Dixon, is hurt? And Johnny Dixon's career has been greatly derailed uh, by injury issues, some knee issues that he hasn't been able to shake. Could this take longer? Um, Imagine Alabama without Calvin Ridley. I don't think Johnny and, Dixon's Calvin Ridley. And but. imagine Clemson without Mike Williams. And it's one of those things. The reason I yeah, want to look at the point. recruiting rankings is because we were talking about this. Um, Johnny Dixon isn't those guys, but he was a big four star get out of Florida, right? I mean, he's I know. Definitely he's definitely
2: a four star, and he's definitely from Florida, and
0: I'm having a hard time finding him for some reason. One second. And so it's sort of like, well, he's not, you know, Calvin Ridley is Alabama's best receiver. Uh, Mike Williams is Clemson's best receiver. Johnny Dixon Johnny was the number, number nine receiver. overall receiver in the 2014 14 class. Okay. Who who were the other guys? Here's the thing. The point I want to make is um, – I think I make Lauren in the same class. Too, we've talked a lot about Ohio State's receivers and the receiver recruiting and stuff. But even at a place like Ohio State, when you have great depth and you have a lot of great, talented guys here, I do think every now and then there's just like that one – thing that happens that can really throw you off. And and it's one of those things. Johnny Dixon was a top-ten receiver recruit in the country. And if he was having a career like a top-ten receiver recruit in the country might have, this Ohio State passing game legitimately could be in a very different place. Paris Campbell was in that class. And it's not Johnny Dixon's fault. And Noah Brown and Terry McLaurin. So they had four receivers that class? Yeah. Was Mike Williams in that class, though? No, I don't think so. No? He's not... Artavis. Who, who Mike were, Williams from Clemson? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think he was. Or he might have been the the, th- t- the t- thing
0: I want to get to is, if you look at the top 25 receivers in that class, are there some names at other schools that people would know?
1: Okay. That's you know? different.
0: Player rankings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Looking up. Speedy Noyle at Texas A&M. Malachi Dupree at LSU. Um, let's see. Artavis Scott, who will play against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. Um... It was really yeah. There's not a lot of household names in here. Really, Said okay. Blackmall at Penn State, um, Chris Godwin at Penn State. Yeah, it's not.
2: DeAndre this is kind of like you know, I don't like this. This is kind of like, oh, Ohio- a team could have drafted a player at eight and
0: no, and it's not. It's not the no. idea of that they should have taken a guy, a different guy instead of Johnny Dixon. It's more like it would be reasonable. It would not be unreasonable to think that. Somebody with that profile would be in a very important part of your passing game and a really good player. What about I
2: Derek th- Keefe? Do you remember
0: him? No, I don't know that don't
2: Cincinnati know that. receiver went to Alabama in that class.
0: Okay. I think so,
1: I, don't, I, have, I think it's a good point that, that that Joe brings up because, and I wrote the story before this season about how Ohio State doesn't actually have receivers as athletes are trying to turn into receivers. And Johnny Dixon doesn't fall into that category. Johnny Dixon was came here as a receiver. He was the number nine receiver in the country. Because you named the other guys in that class – Paris Campbell and Noah Brown were rated as receivers. They didn't come here as receivers. So if there's a guy in that room who, like, understands in the intri- intricacies of receiver play more so than some of the guys I have out there... And you wrote about this. Right. And But if Dixon's not playing and he was that highly rated, I think that's actually give you kind of an interesting thing to point out. a look
2: out. into our psyche, it's a 2014 game, uh, playoff run. Ohio State played Alabama, as you might have heard of that game, and... Um, Before that game, I did reporting on Amari Cooper and the comparison of who's Ohio State's version of Amari Cooper. And the person that we decided to frame that entire story around was Dixon for those very reasons. So I think that that makes sense. I'm not going to, I'm with Doug. I don't think that one injury or one career that didn't go the right way should ever have a vast impact on Ohio State this far into it, especially three years removed from the recruiting class. But I do think that he fit a certain role in that class that Ohio State didn't have a surplus of, which turned into the story that you wrote, which is they recruited too many athletes and not enough receivers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough break for Johnny Dixon. I mean, is we it? never really got to see what he could be. He, played, he played as a true freshman, yeah. right? But we never and really— I think he might have
2: caught a touchdown in the spring game, I think, before he got injured. Never really got to see. And the thing about it was these knees, like I think it happened in high school. Yeah. So it was like a it was like a thing that, yeah, you, you know it's just and it's, you see in practice that's the thing too and it's just like I still just think you need to be consistently healthy to play at this level and um, you know that's that. So
0: anything else? Any other questions? A fresh Boys? out. I'm good yeah. too.
2: Um, Ohio State. It's another passing game question. Do you think we can go for one of those or
1: Maybe.
2: do you think we've done enough? Well, we can talk about if Curtis Samuel gets the ball enough. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Um, hold on, let me find it real quick. Conway Twitty.
1: You know, I had a... I bought a t-shirt at a thrift store one time that was autographed by Conway Twitty. Have you well, seen Family Guy
2: enough to know that reference?
1: I know that Conway Twitty is a super famous country singer.
2: Yeah, well, in Family Guy, like, they are like... It's a television show. Have you heard of it? Yeah. And it's a cartoon, and I find it hilarious, but it's like... They're like, this show is 23 minutes, and we only have material for 18. Hold on a second. We need a distraction. Here's Conway Twitty. And they show Conway Twitty playing an entire song for five minutes <laughs> during the middle of the show. Like, you think it's like a funny cutaway, and it's like it lasts literally the entire song. And then they come and go, that should get us to the end. <laughs> and, like, and it's hilarious. I don't know why. Okay. What do you guys think we will see from Ohio State's offense in this game? Will JT struggle again, or do you think more number four th- runs? I think they Curtis need, Samuel number yeah,
1: four. Yeah. Did you know that? You might not because <laughs> he didn't touch it enough for you to remember. But <laughs> they need more number four runs. I don't know if they're going to get it. Um,
2: and that's from J- Jock Fishstick, which is his real name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you don't know, you know my friend Jock. Yeah, Jock Fishstick. <laughs> Will Kurt, Curtis Samuel not going to like suddenly be like a running back in this game right
0: there? Or is he? I mean, maybe. Who got the ball at the end on the ground to win the Michigan game? Curtis Samuel. It's weird he scored, too. I – yeah. I love – my favorite formation is when Dontre's at H and they have Weber and Samuel in the backfield together. No tight end. Five guys in the line. H, two outside receivers. Weber and Samuel in the backfield. They probably use that formation three times in like twelve a ball games against Bowling Green. Yeah, I like Dontre as as an option to do something at H. So like to have that H back in the game. In the game, still as an option, but to have them in the backfield together. Um, and Curtis Samuel, when we were talking to him in interviews. He was talking about everybody's talking about what a great block Mike Weber threw on the game-winning touchdown in double overtime. When Curtis Samuel ran it in. And then Curtis Samuel was talking about that block. And he was like, yeah. And Mike threw a great block for me at Penn State when I ran 72 yards for a touchdown. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) When you and Mike Weber are in the game together and they hand it to you, that is the Ohio State run game at its absolute best. Not that Mike Weber needs to be a fullback 30 plays a game. But they should run that more than five times a year. Yeah. So I, me, I, Doug, would be in favor of Curtis Samuel getting the ball much more on the ground. And if you see something against Clemson that was more like 12 Curtis Samuel carries and 15 Mike Weber carries, and Mike Weber's in the game blocking for Curtis Samuel, I think that would work. Keep talking about this for a second because I think I looked up numbers. Okay, the one thing I
2: wanted to say is that I re-looked at this person's name closer, and I think it's possible that that is his real name. Jock- stick the, There's no H. I read it too fishly. It's Jock, J-O-C-K, Fistic. F-I-S-T-I-C-K. And I'm assuming that the thing that I said is something he's heard quite a bit, and I might have <laughs> brought back third grade horror from him. And I just wanted to let you know I wasn't intentionally trying to make fun of your name. Coming from somebody named Ari, who had some pretty interesting conversations in middle school, I wanted to sincerely apologize. I was not trying to make fun of you.
0: Drop a, drop a follow on Jock, though. Yeah, maybe Throw I should him. follow him. I'm going to. Um, we appreciate the question, Jock. Bill, so, what do you got?
1: I thought I had, I don't have Samuel's carries, but they are lower than these two numbers. So Ohio State played five games that were decided by seven or fewer points this year. So, like, call them Ohio State's tight games this year. In those five games, J.T. Barrett averaged 21 carries. Mike Weber averaged 14.2, and if I remember correctly, at the top of my head, Curtis Samuel averaged like eight, I think, maybe fewer than that. Um, so you think like Weber and Samuel should be flipped, or like bring J.T.'s number down, and give those carries to Samuel? I think
0: Weber and Samuel should be close to equal. I don't think, uh, I don't think it should be Mike Weber 20. Curtis Samuel six, and so in tight games, how many did Weber have? Fourteen point two, and you think Samuel had eight? It was it was fewer than ten, yeah. Fourteen and eight is closer to what I would like. I would probably like Curtis Samuel over ten. Curtis Samuel in double digit carries.
1: I, I want, want Curtis Samuel. Which means
0: bringing JT down a little bit from twenty one. Like that's like the
1: simple solution to it. Yeah, a, or not throw or it at all. Not, yeah, it's funny <laughs> I mean, to me like because
2: when the games team. are tight. Ohio State resorts to the draw, the quarterback.
1: Ohio State beat Notre Dame in Glendale, Arizona last year, running the triple option, so maybe they'll just do that again.
2: The thing that I don't know... Why don't know- they just run the play that Doug loves instead of the quarterback draw every now and then?
0: The thing that I don't have an answer to, and maybe I should ask, maybe you can't ask it till the end of the year, is is the answer to why doesn't Curtis Samuel get the ball more? If we gave him the ball more, he would be hurt? Yeah. Like, is their answer like he have you seen him he is a tremendous player who's not that big we gave him the ball every bit we thought we could and keep him healthy for the whole year cuz part of the reason he didn't play as much in 2015 is cuz he had some nagging nagging injuries so maybe like they don't want to say that i always try to maybe i'm you know maybe there's the secret that we but maybe they're like listen man we've like we we had mickey, mickey Marotti mickey look it up And work some numbers in the weight room or whatever, and we figured out this is the way to keep him healthy. Because actually, because catching the ball is easier than running the ball. Yeah. Make a little catch and get out of bounds or whatever. You're not running between tackles and pounding people. So maybe this was their formula: sixty-five catches. Sixty-five or sixty-three? I think it's sixty-five. Maybe there was something of let's keep make sure he's not banged up when we need him. Yeah. And like literally, it's like oh. The answer to why did Curtis Samuel get the ball every time in overtime when they needed him to win the Michigan game and he didn't get the ball all year? And the answer is because if we would have given him the ball all year, he wouldn't have been healthy for overtime against Michigan, you idiot. That will never happen, but I think it's a good theory.
2: What I'm saying is they would never say it. But
1: (sighs) I think they would say it. Especially he's going to the NFL, like it's
2: all said and done, it's matter. They should say it right before the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's not horrible enough. <laughs> all right, we'll let you go. Um, last week we gave you Ohio State assistant coaches, what they are like, what they will be like as head head coaches, what it's like to replace them. So catch that podcast. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it on. It's on, oh,
1: breaking, breaking podcast
0: you news. You put it on Zip Tipper. What's it called? <laughs> I don't even know what that is.
1: <laughs> it's, on, it's on Stitcher, which I am told is an app that people who don't have iPhones use to listen to podcasts.
2: So if you have a Palm Trio or a Nokia phone, so, yeah. hit it up.
1: Yeah. Or your BlackBerry. You have, I had a
2: Palm Trio in college once, and I walked around because it had a calendar on it. And this was before like iPhones were a thing. And I had a Palm Trio, and I felt like I'm important.
1: Clemson just got a commit from a five-star 2018 quarterback. I saw that on Twitter.
0: Um, Next podcast. (laughs) Uh, So we had that, and then we also had a good one. Uh, It's Ari's favorite podcast we've ever done. It was debating Ohio State's national recruiting versus Ohio recruiting. We also dropped that last week, so go find that. Uh, We're giving this to you on Monday. Coming Wednesday will be our Fiesta Bowl preview. Clemson, Ohio State. Then everybody gets to have some time with their families for the holidays. And then we will see you... In Arizona, we're going to try to. Are we going to try to do daily podcasts? I think we should.
1: I'll, we'll ask the people on Twitter whether or not they think that's too much, but I think that's the plan we, for the moment. We,
2: people we,
0: drive every day. They can listen every day. That's we long might long. try to give you like a shorter, maybe instead of like an hour, go like half an hour every day, like 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Yeah. Is that doable Monday through Friday while we're in Arizona? Yeah. And then the game's the 31st on Saturday?
2: Yeah. 31st? I mean, you said th- what's doable is. Every day what's not doable is staying to thirty minutes, but you can yeah, keep telling yourself that. that.
0: This is a half hour podcast that went forty seven minutes. Uh, which um, is good, actually. All right. At Bill Landis twenty-five, at Ari Wasserman, at Douglay Maurice. That's us on Twitter. Send us questions anytime. Cleveland.com slash OSU. That's the website you visit every day so that we can get money. And thanks for, again for listening to this. Uh, now the third most popular podcast in <laughs> North America. Um, for Ari Wasserman, for Bill Landis, I'm Dougley Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.